Sairam, first of all, offering my most prayerful pranams at Swami's lotus feet, respected elders, and my dear brothers and sisters. It gives me immense pleasure to be here in Vrindavan. This is where, uh, you know, they always say Swami's home is Vrindavan, right? So his office is Prashantinilayam, his home is Vrindavan. And uh, lucky were we, uh, there are quite a few of my batchmates here as well, as I see. We got to spend uh, the years 93 to 96 here in Vrindavan. And uh, that was the time, actually, Swami spent most of his time in Vrindavan. And uh, today I had the opportunity to go inside Trahi and uh, think of those beautiful times. Especially, I think Swami stayed about eight months or so in both the years, 93, 94, and 94, 95. And so Trahi sessions were wonderful. And we used to have opportunities to be with him all the time. And it was uh, pretty much at a level where it was granted that right after the bhajan session, we used to have this wonderful Trahi sessions. And I'm sure you've heard this from the different teachers and uh, different faculty members over periods of time. And uh, what I wanted to do here was, as uh, I was requested to share stories and experiences from my time with Swami. And uh, that's what I will try to do, um, just to bring up a few pictures and few memories from all the time spent with in his physical presence. And as I like to think, um, Swami's gone nowhere, and uh, he sort of forced us to look inside and to find him inside us. And so in the next um, 45 minutes to an hour or so, I will share a few photographs and instances and stories. And hopefully they are enjoyable. And above and beyond, it's not the person who experienced it. It's the message which Swami conveys through each experience that becomes very, very critical. So that's why I always like to uh, choose this title for the talk, which is living for God is living with God is true education. Spending time with him, observing him, seeing him perform smallest of acts and the largest of the acts at the same time, learning from him at every point. And then hopefully that will slowly convert to devotion. Living for God becomes devotion. And devotion takes place in different forms in our life, right? Through our bhajan singing or through different prayer activities, through Veda chanting, through all the activities which we do when Swami was physically present or even in our samiti or center activities as they call it in the United States. As part of everything that we do is devotion and the ultimate goal being living in God is true spirituality. At the end of today, I'll try to share a few of the activities which we do as alumni as well as as part of the organization in terms of how Swami's message should shine through us now that he has left his mortal coil. Um, I know the lighting is a little bit uh, tough here with these pictures, but I'll try to go over these pictures in a little bit more detail. That way you can get a flavor for what it was. So um, before we go to this, I think you can just stay to the previous slide. So um, as it was narrated in the introduction, my grandparents and my father, my, both my parents are here today along with my children. So um, my grandparents and my father, they happened to chance on Swami's visit to Chennai. And at that time, Swami was just about taking the Aarti, and the Aarti song used to be Pavana Purusha Saisha, which is a very, very old song, and the old-timers surely recognize that. 
and they just had a glimpse and swami was taking the aarti and swami used to take the garlands at those times and um, they just saw him and that was their first introduction to him from there they picked up books tried to learn more about him and subsequently there were small samitis which were formed in chennai at that time and i think a few months back you had uh, p sushila singh here as part of the living with sai program i think anjali devi who passed away pretty recently i think she was very instrumental in the many of the activities which happened in chennai at that time and subsequently giving her place to build the sundaram temple where it exists today and they used to meet regularly for these bhajan sessions and swami has always used to say that earlier part of his life was spent for chamatkars and miracles and things like that and so during bhajan sessions uh, there used to be different things which appear from the photograph but apart from that i think the most interesting thing was there there used to be as the bhajan starts you know bhajan continues at the end of the bhajan session if somebody had something in their mind um, there would be a letter addressed to that person sitting at swami's uh, photograph and that was very special because it is it's a direct connect and what you have thought about that day and swami's response is there in a letter to you addressed to you right after the bhajan and uh, this used to go on and one day uh, one specific thing with respect to this was uh, all the letters which came from the pictures were stored at the altar itself so it was never given away to the person although they could take the message and it stayed at that place so one day my grandmother had this thought in her mind that she wanted to take one of those letters addressed to her home and these are very very small desires and very often this is the way swami you know enters our life you know they always say test him little bit right put little faith into him and he will shower you with grace which allows you to have more faith in him and he showers you with more grace and that's how that relationship is built because this is not a, a tangible relationship this is a faith based love based and that's where i had the symbol right up front swami's mission was not to come and establish a new religion the purpose of his arrival on this earth was to inculcate these values which are very very important like truth love peace right conduct all these are very very critical in terms of leading our life it's always wonderful i always think when you are a student we learn so many of these things but we appreciate it so much better when we go through life right that's when the ex- true experiences come into play sometimes it becomes oh this is little bit strict why have we got to do this why have got to learn veda why have we got to stand up and speak why do you have to get up at 5 am for suprabhatam right these are all questions which always arise in my mind and it did in my mind too it's being in brindavan i see sanjay sahani sir here and ravi kumar sir here and these are experiences which we all go through and subsequently i think at that moment if we just trust the elders and go with what we are doing uh, later on in life the purpose becomes very very clear to us similarly in this case my grandmother she just had that inkling in her mind and uh, that day there was a letter which appeared in the picture and it was very clearly written in tamil ida eduthuko na eduthuko which is take it with you so even today we have that letter with us at home which is written in swami's handwriting another time just a, a funny story here another time i think uh, she had a headache and uh, she all, always uh, she was worried whether she should go to bhajan or not that day and actually in a very strong way swami always says um, when you feel sick you very often complain i cannot go here i cannot go there 
Swami says, it's better to go to a devotional activity and give up your life. It's better than sitting at home and sulking because you're sick. So that day she ended up going to the bhajan and uh, from the picture that day there was Amritanjan which came out right, right after bhajan. So these were Swami's ways of coming into the life of each devotee. And I think the greatest thing about Swami is his transformation and his connection which is very, very individual. You don't need to go through somebody. We don't have to go through father. You don't have to go through mother because he always allows us to make that relationship ourselves. And no matter whether he's there in his physical form or not, I think Swami figures out a way to directly connect with each individual as long as there is sincerity. Right? So coming into Swami's fold, subsequently my father was married and uh, I had the opportunity, as my parents tell me, to see Swami for the first time when I was about a few months old. And this was in Delhi at the Kamani Auditorium. Um, Atal Bihari Vajpayee, who served as the Prime Minister of India, was the chief guest. And uh, that's about what I was told and I remembered. So I got to see Swami for the first time. And then Swami became the central deity in our uh, home altar. And he's the one we used to pray. Uh, very often the question is like, who is the Kula Devata, Ishta Devata? These questions always come up in our pujas, right? And Swami was always that central figure for us throughout. Subsequently, I joined the Balvikas activities. And uh, I was about six years old, and I think that's where I saw the first picture. It's uh, from the back, I think it's quite dark. So what it is, is Swami is at the center of the picture, and uh, you can see all the people assembled on either sides. This is right after a play in 1981, which happened in Abbotsbury, which used to be part of the um, Swami's uh, darshan. He used to give it in Abbotsbury whenever he used to come to Chennai. And... Um, I'm, I'm the Krishna role, I played that, which is, uh, I guess, first or second next to Swami on the right. I was the youngest in the group. Typically, when you're youngest in the group, you have the opportunity to stand next, right next to Swami. And that was my first interaction with Swami. I was always known him, oh, he's God, he's this, he's that, right? But at a very physical level, that was my first personal interaction. And there was just awe. As a six-year-old, you don't know to think too much. You just look at him, you wonder, you know, he's here in flesh and blood, and he's there in our altar as a picture. And uh, that was my first interaction. Swami asked me, what is your name? And that is the first memory I have, and I remember telling Swami, my name is Srikant, right? And so if you go to the next picture, it's a little bit of a close-up picture. So, and that is Swami, and I think he was looking beautiful and radiant. You know, this is, he was in his late 50s. Actually, 55, 56, that was Swami's age at that point. And uh, so that was my first connection to Swami. Then if you go to the next slide, the following year, again, uh, you see me next to Swami there, I think, or two years later, this is another play. And Swami used to come to Sundaram pretty regularly. You know, Swami's visits to Hyderabad, Chennai, Bombay, right? These were all pretty regular. He used to come every year. And January 19th, for sure, you can be sure Swami would be in Sundaram. That is the Sundaram opening day, right? As of 1981, that is when Sundaram was opened. And the next year, Swami gave me his garland. He used to take garlands at that time. And uh, he gave me his garland. And there was a small conversation as well. And this is how I realized much later, there is this relationship building slowly where Swami always chooses to operate at the level of the person, right? If it's a child, he operates as a child. If it's a a woman, he operates as a woman, as a man, as a man, and you know, depending on the age group. 
And you can, I could see that throughout in my own stay here over many years. I went through the primary school, you know, the college, a master's degree, everything I went through. And at each level you see Swami's interaction uh, comes up to that level because he also knows, he also wants you to mature. He also wants you to step up to that standard which he's looking for. And uh, that was that. Next slide. So. And so these were my initial uh, Balvikas-related experiences. And when I look back now, these were more in a group-related experiences, right? You were in a play, you were with somebody else, and, you know, there were these opportunities to stand next to him. At the end, take these uh, photographs, which are wonderful memories. Then, subsequently, uh, what happened was I got the opportunity to give a welcome speech in, pre in the presence of Swami when he came to Sundaram. And so if you go to the next one. And uh, so this was 1986, as I call it there. So, and uh, this was the uh, welcome speech. And everything with respect to this welcome speech was uh, very predetermined, right? In the sense, I had done my practices over many, many days. And this is a lifetime opportunity in the presence of Swami. And the expectation was there was a chair placed at the center of the hall. Swami would come through everybody and come and sit in the chair. As soon as he sits in the chair, my uh, guideline was to get up, stand up, and start speaking. So everything worked very well till there, right? Swami came and sat, and immediately I got up, I started speaking. Uh, Swami decided to change the plan. So what he did was, instead of sitting, he got up and came and stood in front of me. And if you go to the next two pictures, I think I have... And actually, I have this picture, which is a very, very... Um, where Swami kept staring into my eyes and uh, I'm very scared because I was trying to finish my talk very pretty quickly. It was a 10-minute talk. I just wanted to be done. But Swami didn't give up, right? He was kept looking at me and I was looking elsewhere because I was afraid I'll forget the talk. And uh, right after I finished the talk, you can go to the next picture, and uh, Swami immediately asked, how many days practice? Luckily, I successfully finished the talk. I said, how many days practice? And then immediately I said, Swami, nine days practice. He said, no, no, not nine days. It was 11 days. You started on this day, you went through this day. And uh, that was a, 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 a very private moment of an experience there. And then I smiled. And then Swami was talking to a few other people sitting around me. And suddenly he switched over and said something to me in Telugu. Till then it was in Tamil and a little bit of English, and then suddenly switched over and said something to me in Telugu. Now, Telugu is a language I never understood, and as students, you all know, we don't have to learn Telugu as part of our curriculum, right? Unless we pick it up colloquially, we talk to people, we pick it up. Because most of our hostels are filled with people from around the country and the world at that time, and uh, English was the common language. So, I couldn't even remember those words to respond to somebody later, right, to understand what it means. But those uh, many, many years later, I was doing my MSc in Prashanti Nilayam, and one day Swami had called two groups of devotees inside the interview room, and I was sitting in the bhajan hall, and just as he was about to close the door, he saw me, he called me inside. And I was sitting inside, and I was wondering why Swami wanted me there. And, uh, you know, typically when you spend a number of years, uh, in fact, at one point, Swami had mentioned to me, how many years have you stayed with your parents? How many years you have stayed with me? And at, at that time, the balance was, you know, tilted towards Swami. So I had spent more time in Prashanti Nilayam. So um, Swami takes great pride when you spend all your time there, particularly going through primary school and you're going through higher secondary 
Brinda, you know, Brindavan experience and then Puttaparthi. So Swami always puts, builds all these accolades around you as well. He's a, he's a gold medalist, he's this, he's that, you know, he sings bhajans, he's, he speaks, all these things he said. And then suddenly he said something which, you know, uh, I immediately got, caught me thinking. So he said, I told him to come and join my school. That is why he came and joined my school. And this was something I clearly remember Swami had not told me, right? As far as I knew, Swami had not told me that at all. So, and Swami immediately caught it that in my mind there was that question, right? And immediately he said, remember that day you spoke in Sundaram? I told you this in Telugu right after your speech. Now, this is 13 years later, right? And uh, this was one conversation in which the two people, one person doesn't even remember what Swami said. And Swami picks up that conversation and narrates to you. And Swami is this personal God for everybody. And that's what I see when I go to centers today or, you know, attend Samiti activities around the country. We have had the opportunity through our alumni activities to visit a few countries, do different programs. And every time I see that each devotee has their own personal connection. It need not have been physical. Half the people have not had the chance to come to Prashantanilayam or Brindavan. And the only thing they know is they have been to their samitis, they have learned what Swami is, who Swami is, and they make that connection with Swami, and their life is completely guided by Swami. And that is how He is. So not only transformation, but also being an individual God for everybody. And I think that is one very, very important aspect of this avataric mission of Swami. Can go to the next one. So, um, subsequently, I um, had the opportunity to join the primary school, and that itself is a very funny story because um, what ended up happening was I had visited Prashantinilayam with my parents a few times, and uh, at one point I vividly remember I had told my mother that uh, I wanted to play in that elephant slide which exists in the primary school, and my mother said you cannot; they won't allow you inside unless you join Swami school, right? So that was my singular motivation to apply to Swami school, to be part of the, you know, take, go on the slide and things like that. But, you know, we go through flimsy reasons to get to him so that we can get bigger benefits. Bharatnatyam was always my first love, right? My father always insisted that I learn Carnatic music, but Bharatnatyam was always my first love. So when I went to Puttaparthi, joined the primary school in the sixth standard and that was the first thing that I had an opportunity to dance before Swami. So this is the, uh, I danced to the tune of um, Bhaje Muraliya Bhaje, which is Bhimsen Joshi and Lata Mangeshkar's song. And uh, at the opportunity side, if you go to the next slide, yeah. And uh, right after that, uh, Swami actually took a photograph with me in that uh, costume and uh, I never danced afterwards again. So that was the last time. So even that small desire which exists in us, I think Swami figures out a way to make you happy, make you feel happy about that experience. Um, subsequently, I joined the um, higher secondary school and uh, went through the primary school experience. And I wanted to share a few things about the primary school experience as well. I think Swami becomes a true mother, a true father. And like I was telling you, I think uh, I remember sitting in the sands of the mandir, we used to be, have the opportunity to go to mandir only on Thursday and Sunday in the morning. And those were the only two days we got to see Swami being in primary school. Once you get to the higher secondary school, you had the opportunities to see him every day in the evening. 
So it was very special. We used to wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning, have breakfast. And these are very, very small children. Now, when we look back, we see the amount of discipline which is inculcated at a very early age. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes it appears a little tough, but it's all well worth it. Now, after so many years of passing out of the institute, I, I really cherish those beautiful memories. And particularly with primary school children, Swami always used to ask, what did you eat today? You know, the level of interaction was such that it was very, very childlike. Did you have idli? Did you have dosa? Did you have, you know, was there too much salt in the dosa? These were all very immaterial things. Think about this. Swami is this God of gods who's come, come down all the way to give the greatest of things to us. But I think he wants us to build that relationship with him, build that connection with him before he gives us all that so that we are ready to receive. And that is how it was. And Swami used to spend the time walking around. I remember he used to take yellow rice, take uh, chocolates, which he used to throw on people's birthdays. The only thing we looked for is what fell out of Swami's hand, right? Anything he touched, anything he, you know, we touch him. And, you know, like always narrate that when we have opportunities to go to sports meet or, you know, sing a bhajan or sing in a music program. I think at the end, the only goal was to get that Pad Namaskar from Swami. Get that one nod, he may say, oh, you sang well, or he may say, oh, improve on this. It did not matter. The only thing it mattered was you got that personal interaction with Swami. And that is something which is truly special. And so subsequently, after primary school, I uh, went into the higher secondary school. And in my eighth grade, one day I was sitting in the bhajan hall. And I was sitting way out in the middle. And uh, suddenly, Swami comes out of the interview room. Swami was still staying in the mandir at that time. And he came up there and he suddenly beckoned to me and he called me inside the interview room and then he had uh, groups of uh, research scholars, right? All, many of them were doing their PhDs at that time. This is the year 1988. Some of our teachers here were also doing their PhDs at that time. And um, Swami uh, called me right in the middle and he said, uh, you know, this year for convocation, we're going to have this play, Chepin Natlu Chestara. So which is, can we practice all that we preach? And some of you may know that this is a story written by Swami himself when he was very, very young. You know, he used to lead groups of children through different plays and things like that. And in Satyam Shivam Sundaram, it's captured where Swami had written this story himself. And Swami told me, this is a play I wrote myself. And the role you, I want you to play is the role I played myself. So I will teach you throughout the way how you should act. And this was such a beautiful blessing. And um, Swami had also seen me act multiple times through different uh, plays in Chennai and things like that. And he said, don't worry, I, I will take care of everything. Because everybody else was much, much older. And I was the only uh, boy from the high school. So um, religiously, Swami used to come to practice morning, evening, morning, evening. And I'm sure most of you know who have had interactions with Swami, with, particularly with the convocation dramas. I think it's not the convocation drama which is critical. It's the amount of time you spend with him before that, right? Where the interaction, where he comes to the practices, he comes to, you know, every practice session, he will teach you how to act. He goes through every motion of the action. At the same time, I think Swami's experience, I think that is true divinity. The next day he comes, the experience is completely new. Swami is never uh, bothered about what happened yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow. He always exemplified living in the present. And I think that is such a, such a beautiful thing. They always say, you know, 
if god comes down with four hands and you know six heads and things like that then swami used to say you you will put me in a museum right because it's it's not normal you want me to come and live amidst you live and show how you should live right that's what makes somebody truly divine and that newness in swami was something always beautiful because i'm sure you have all seen over many many convocation dramas on the final day on the 22nd swami typically is sitting with the chief guest of the convocation watching the drama and if you look at swami's eyes he is watching the drama for the first time that is how he completely operates in fact um, there are few moments where i would say swami would you know uh, chide the chief guest and tell him oh this is coming or that is coming but very often the experience is only in the moment and i, that, I thought that was very very beautiful lesson which we can learn from swami don't live in the past don't live in the future live in the present and enjoy the present i think that is very very critical so chepinatlu chestara so this is a, a beautiful story where i'll just quickly recap for those of you who don't know this is a story of a a boy and the principal characters are the mother father teacher and uh, essentially what happens is in his life his mother advises lot of things but when it comes to practicing she does one thing and you know speaks one thing and practices some something totally different and similarly like she always says oh you should you know give dana and you know to all the people who are really needy and then where there is uh, somebody who is very needy who comes to the door she pushes him away but then immediately following that there is a rich brahmin who comes to the house she gives him lot of things because she gets lots of blessings from him and then the boy observes his father who advises similar things but then he he's able to give lot of money for an office party but at the same time he's not able to give money for some boy's education and finally the teacher which is the act here on the right there where the teacher uh, is supposed to have completed 36 uh, chapters of um, a, a lesson before the inspector of schools comes to the school he has only finished 22 and he decides to do the 36th one directly which is a chapter on truth and he tells the students tell everybody that you have completed 36 chapters so for a small boy at that age the people who are closest to him right who's the father the mother the teacher and all three of them he sees that they say one thing and do something else and so that is you know swami always says parents should set good examples to their children right and at that age if if he sees that diversity in, in terms of their thought word and deed if you will uh, immediately he says there's nobody else for me god is my only true refuge and uh, can go to the next one and at the end of the thing you know swami like he's the one who directed throughout blessed throughout you know took me through different scenes and at the end he was he was very happy that the play went really well and i just put this picture here because he materialized a chain but more than the chain itself next 5 days or so swami used to pick me up and any vip or anybody who came used to take me to them and say show your chain to them right and swami used to take that opportunity to explain about the play but it used to be like you know this is he's the creator of everything but then uh, there are these moments where he truly becomes childlike because that was something which is very exciting for me and so that is something he always kept pointing out for many many days in fact um, brahmananda reddy who used to be the uh, chief minister of andhra pradesh he was the chief guest for that particular convocation and right after swami made me go to him and showed the chain and things like that you know there is everything in his his hand but he makes you you know dwell on the creation which is around its 
hoping that someday you will look at the creator right not look at the creation anymore So subsequently, I noticed that Swami was truly playing, you know, different parts in my life. And as a student, I think the most critical thing is not getting the degrees that we get, which we need to operate in the world, but all the intangibles this education system brings for us. And I think that is extremely critical because I was there talking to a few of my friends the other day. And even today they say, you know, they've become CAs or they've become whatever PhDs or anything else. But I think the intangibles that they learned going through the education system here is what making them more successful because they are able to uh, lead different projects. They are able to, um, if there are rifts between people, they are the ones who are able to solve those rifts. They're able to do many things. And these are not in the degree certificate, right? We have a BSc, we have MSc, we have a PhD or whatever we take with us. But I think these other intangibles are something which we should truly appreciate because later in life, that is what will take us through. So Swami then wanted me to speak at different points in time. So he had seen me speak in Sundaram. And from there on, he used to always pick on me to speak at different occasions. And this is the first time I physically remember at a, at a formal occasion. So this was the prize distribution function. This was in the hostel. Uh, I know Sanjay Sahani sir was the warden at that time in the hostel. And... Uh, Swami, right after he had, had me give a talk, and the talk was on the Shanti Mantra, Bhadram Karne Bishrunu Yamadevaha, Bhadram Pashyam Akshabhirya Jatra, which we chant typically before Ganapati Atharvasirsham, right? And that was something which uh, I got help from the teachers to break up each of the words and, you know, elaborate on the meaning. And that was the talk which I gave as the first talk before Swami. And uh, right after, you know, Swami is always, he... Uh, does everything, like I was saying, in terms of the play as well. He gives, he works with you throughout the preparation. He will, you know, make all the corrections, make all the edits. When it comes to the play, he used to come and help us with our costumes. He used to do everything. At the end, he will also appreciate us in front of everybody giving us the credit. And that was Swami all along. And I, I used to think, this is a beautiful quality, again, which we can always learn from him. He exemplified, lived and showed. There are these beautiful hospitals he has built. There are these beautiful institutions, schools and colleges which he has built. But not once you will hear Swami publicly saying, look at my school, look at my college. It's always he wanted us to step up, do great things and automatically the schools, colleges, everything else can get recognized. So you can go to the next one. Yeah, this is from the same price distribution function. And so from there on started this journey of speaking. And uh, this is very interesting when I think about it even today. And some of you may have experienced this. You know, Swami, typically sometimes he gives you a long, you know, he'll say 10 days time you'll get to prepare before you give a talk. So especially when you're young, you know, it's like uh, if it's Dashara, Swami would have told you 20 days before itself that you're speaking on this and this particular day. Or if, if it was Janmashtami or, you know, uh, Ganapati, uh, uh, we have the um, Ganesh Chaturthi and things like that. And then um, used to be well prepared when there is so much time, you know, you can prepare. And slowly you start noticing that the notice is becoming lesser and lesser. You know, suddenly it's becoming 10 days, then becomes 5 days. And I remember one particular Janma, actually this is from Janmashtami. And in the morning that day, I remember um, one of the seniors from the Central Trust, actually Swami had told him to tell, to come and tell me to speak in the evening. I was part of the music program that day morning. It was a Janmashtami program. And somebody came up to me and said, speak. So 
it had become a three hour four hour notice and then subsequently it becomes get up and speak now again if you look at the learning in this right the preparation swami always wanted us to be prepared because life and situation happens so suddenly in a corporate life or life in our own communities in society you know there is not so much time to prepare and present very often you are asked to stand up and deliver right and if these things are not well prepared well thought of it's not easy to get up and you know go and uh, so that was something i i felt swami through these different talks was preparing us to you know be prepared always get up chant you know veda if he asks and say swami i don't know this that opportunity may never come again that is why you know very often it's emphasized in our own education institutions to you know learn whatever we learn in a real nice manner so that we are able to deliver when the opportunity beckons and it could be at any point in time and uh, so i have a nice uh, story with respect to speaking so then swami had asked me to speak during multiple occasions guru purnima and you know very often these talks are very irrelevant most people are waiting for swami's discourse to happen but for uh, for the person speaking swami also wants to alleviate the fear so he wants you to be prepared so that you can present the talk really well and uh, one particular time this was uh, during a dashara celebration and uh, swami had picked about 20 of us to and called us inside the interview room and then he had said you are you are all going to give a talk on each of the um, days of the veda purusha gnana saptaha yagna so during the time of the yagna swami used to give discourses in the evening time and before the evening discourse swami is to have two speakers typically it's a older person older devotee or it is to be a student or you know that kind of a mixture and so swami had designated different dates for each of us to speak and uh, swami had chosen me to speak on the third day and swami comes up to me a couple of days before and uh, he says um, no no you speak on the ninth day he said more people will be there so just that you feel oh you're more important that you speak before so many people but very often we should realize that there is always an inbuilt message and there is something going on right and with swami with his physical presence as you hear from uh, i'm sure from all your teachers and others that what swami says is better to do it at that moment no point in questioning no point in asking why swami why why this why not now why then just listening will take care of everything for us so particularly with this talk what had happened was uh, i used to be one of the few people who used to speak and sing swami used to tell me why don't you sing a few songs when you speak those who are sleeping will wake up right so that was something he used to always tell me so then he had, and he used to sit with me and prepare those songs so i was lucky that way that you know it was not it was only one or two of us who did that so leading into the dashara one to one you sit with swami and then you choose all the different songs that you want to sing so this particular dashara swami had asked me to speak on mother goddess whom we are celebrating during the nine days and swami had uh, chosen a few songs that i should sing and uh, there was then he kept asking me what do you want to start your talk with what song and then i had a few songs in mind and swami didn't seem to like it like any of those then he said uh, you think about it i'll think about it we'll decide so again you know there are these moments where he's the all knowing one and then suddenly he throws this in and says you think about it i will think about it you know then you are very deluded as if swami cannot identify the song for you next day bhajans were going on and during the bhajans suddenly i get a pat on my back i was sitting further out 
and uh, suddenly Swami is standing there and he says, uh, this bhajan which is going on is beautiful. Why don't you start your t talk with this bhajan? And this is a uh, bhajan which most of you know. Mukti Pradayini, Prema Pradayini, Shanti Pradayini Ma, Janani Ma, Janani. So that, that bhajan which we typically sing. And uh, Swami said, why don't you start your talk with this song? And so everything was set. And then, like I said, on the second day, Swami came to me and said, no, you don't speak on the third day. You speak on the ninth day. You know, Aida Puja day. So I was prepared. And, you know, as everything is de destined or determined, on the eighth day, I developed a very, very high fever. So even at that moment, so I walk up to Swami and then I said, Swami, I'm not feeling very well. And I was more afraid of singing rather than speaking, right? Even if you're sick, you're able to speak. But, you know, if you're not able to sing in Shruti, and, you know, if you're a student particularly, you're standing up there in the Poonachandra Hall, Sai Kulwant Hall, in front of everybody, you represent the institute, you also want to do a good job as well. So I went up and told Swami, he, Swami, even at that time, said, didn't say, you don't have to speak. It could have been very easy. Somebody else could have spoken. He said, don't worry, I'll send the doctor to the hostel. So, Dr. C.G. Patel, for those of you who know, he is the one who arranged Swami's East Africa trip. He used to be around in the general hospital at that time. So, he came to the hostel and gave me some medicine, injection, and things like that. And next day, I felt slightly better, but I was not completely okay. And Swami calls the hostel and then, you know, finds out if I'm doing okay. Then he said, tell, him, tell them I'll send a car to the hostel and he can come to the mandir. So Swami sent a car to the hostel and uh, I go up to the mandir. At that time, Swami was still staying in the mandir, but he had already gone to the Punachandra Hall. He used to be in the, the green room, the back of the Punachandra Hall. And uh, he was already there. So as soon as I got down, you know, he opened the door. He took me inside, said, you sit down, brought me a glass of water to drink. And he said, uh, don't worry, you speak first. As soon as you're done, you go and rest. That's what he told me. As if the speech was that important. But... Even today, when I think about it, the amount of attention, am amount of that personal touch in the whole experience, this is almost 30 years ago at this point, right? And even today, that experience is truly special because memories are created because you can always think about them and recreate what you went through. And that is something which is very, very beautiful. And those experiences with Swami were always like that. And so I spoke first, and the, uh, one of the institute boys spoke right after me. Swami immediately told him, tell everybody that he was sick, but I wanted him to speak. So he came and spoke. And so in the end, like I was saying, Swami gives you the credit as well after he did all that was needed to get me to that particular place. And that was Swami again. So again, if you're looking for divine qualities, he truly lived and showed these qualities. And these are things which we, sh we don't have to shy away. These are things which we can emulate from him, right? His life has been lived for so many years on this planet, exemplifying different messages and always through his own life. And I think that is the supreme most important thing about Swami. He lived and showed what he wanted us to be. Next one. Yeah, this is, uh, again, coming to another convocation drama. So, at that time, Swami used to uh, pick many of us who were in the bhajan group predominantly to be part of these convocation dramas. Uh, just because Swami loved music and drama together, so we used to have a number of songs in the drama and then the dramas themselves. So, one particular um, vacation, this was, uh, I think, in my 11th, 11th standard, 11th grade, I had gone to... Uh, 
so typically holidays time you stick around right even particularly the um, the short holidays before the second semester of the year because lesser people are there more opportunity with swami and everybody used to be like that and swami used to immediately say your parents will complain you know they have sent you all the way here and they feel swami is taking you away from them so you should go home you should go home he used to keep saying that but um, that particular time i typically stuck around but that particular time i decided to go home for a couple of days and as soon as i went home i got a call from the hostel saying swami has asked for you so next day immediately i rushed back and uh, went back to the puttaparthi i had come to chennai and went back to puttaparthi again next day morning swami uh, called few of us inside and he said this year for convocation we're going to have two dramas right two plays one was going to be in telugu and one was going to be in english and uh, swami had wanted me to be part of the telugu drama and this was the markandeya drama and uh, markandeya story all of you know right he the parents didn't have children for many years and then they pray to god and eventually they get a choice you want to pick a good son who will live for a short time or you want to pick a bad son who will live for a long time the choice was pretty obvious to the pious parents they decide to have a son who lives for short time and then eventually his time comes up yama comes to take him away and uh, lord shiva appears to save him right that's the story of markandeya and we have markandeya purana which is where this the story comes out beautifully and then so swami said you're going to be in the telugu drama like i said earlier um, the telugu drama we all just by being students in puttaparthi our telugu is not wonderful because all of us speak different languages we pick up colloquial telugu not good enough to you know speak in a drama and things like that and my native tongue is not telugu as well and so i was pretty scared then i saw the boy who swami had so had swami had wanted me to play the role of markandeya's mother and um, there was this boy who was playing the role of markandeya and i was like he's a hindi boy and if he's going to speak telugu you know i am slightly better off speaking tamil i should be able to manage telugu so that is the challenge when swami throws those challenges at you he will also take care of the journey and i think that is something i learned over my time with swami you know it's better to submit yourself completely if we submit ourselves partially that is where the problem is then we don't know how much more effort we need to put how much more effort this side or that side if we submit ourselves completely he is the guide and he will take care of the journey entirely So Swami said, "Don't worry." Uh, he used to sit with us with the songs as well as the dialogues. Our delivery was not the greatest, right? Speaking, you know, a Tamil person speaking Telugu, mixing up all the alphabets which are missing in the Tamil language, right? So um, what ended up happening was the practices went through fine. We learned our dialogues and uh, went through the songs, went through the recording of the songs and everything, and. Uh, on the final day when it was convocation this was swami's uh, 70th birthday right did i get it right maybe i got my dates wrong it was the 70th birthday because dr shankardeyal sharma was the chief guest for that year's convocation and this convocation happened in the shanti vedika so swami right after he finished the convocation he came back to the green room where we were changing our costumes and things like that so he looked at everybody and he had told me that i should wear the sari just the way anjali devi had worn in the sati sakubai movie right the maharashtrian style of wearing the sari so amit said you should wear the sari like that i will come and check he had said that so on that particular day right after the convocation was done swami came down he came to the backstage and he saw me dressed and then immediately he said uh, 
your husband is a sanyasi you are not a sanyasi why don't you wear jewels right so in some pictures you'll see i ended up putting lot of ornaments and things like that and uh, swami said we are ready to go so he went he took his seat at the center of the um, um, shanti vedika down and then you know dr shankardeyal sharma was sitting next to him and the first act started and that's why i put this picture up there this is basically the first act um right after where the parents pray for a child and then eventually they have a child and uh, the, the scene just about ended and suddenly the one of the persons came running to me and uh, said swami saying from down he can see your trousers from below the sari so fix that right so this is the master again you know he has got 10000 things going on i'm guessing he has the president of india at the time sitting next to him to discuss so many important things and here a brown trousers as well which is swearing swami could identify this from sitting afar and his eye caught that and he said you know that is his eye for perfection that is again two things which i always looked and learned from swami's life is striving for perfection in everything we do you know achieving perfection or not achieving perfection that's not in our hand the process is completely in our hands we put our best effort go out all that we can you know eventually we should be able to say i did everything that i could right the result is not what we need to worry about striving for perfection swami always looked out for that till the end he himself right when he came out for darshan he looked immaculate right he always looked beautiful there were no crease in his robe which he was wearing or his hair was completely tidy or he was completely shaven right all the time and swami think about this right at a very physical level he had to be in front of everybody all the time there were people looking at him all the time it's very easy to sit in the audience where you know everybody's attention is not on us but swami the attention all the cameras were on him everything was on him all the time so he also gave his best effort at a very physical level to strive for that perfection but at the same time divinity is something where you know the perfection is achieved you will never hear him talk about it for 10 days to come he builds a beautiful hospital he'll never say look at my hospital it's so beautiful it's better than others his detachment is also very very instant right swami often i remember that experience of where I mean, you know swami during discourses he will pick up his kerchief and just drop the kerchief is is to always say that our detachment used to should always be like that as well where we should be able to give up things at an instant very often we get attached to things in life right property life family parents you know children you know everything we get attached to in life but at the same time swami says who do we come with who do we go with right the energy the relationship with swami is always one to one no matter how many you know the family the society helps us nurtures us in that process we need to have a satsang to raise us to that level why do we have sai centers why do we go to bhajans right these are places which help us collectively to raise that consciousness but again even amidst that the journey with the lord is very very individual and that is something we have to nurture individually ourselves because that is what will take us forward in life right the community wherever we are will provide us that support will provide us that help but eventually the journey is alone i think that's something always good to keep in mind so again so the two things which i was pointing out to is striving for perfection at the same time you know if one side is perfection the other side is always detachment and those are two things which always go hand in hand and that is something swami always exemplified go to the next one these are just pictures from the same same uh, drama and uh, 
you know this is a very very tricky at a very funny level because this is an all boys play so all the women's roles also had to be played by boys and i remember couple of my seniors used to always say when there is a, a lady's role which had to be done it is not like you do it swami used to always ask would you mind putting on this role of a woman right because he'll say you are going to be in a boys hostel people will make fun of you right at the same time are you okay swami wants it right so that's why he will ask that and that humility you know for coming from swami anything we would do right anything that he wants he would do but at the same time he will ask that with so much humility i mean even when he asks how can you even refuse so that is something subsequently um, went through the journey of the school i just put this picture up there because i narrated this earlier where i said you know if you go through school primary school high secondary school you truly become you know swami owns you pretty much so here swami is telling we can arsiman shrikant came to me when he was very very small look he is in high school now and things like that you know the pride which he exemplifies as a parent at a very physical level as well is is beautiful um again this these are some pictures i just wanted to capture for uh, some of our student brothers here as well just to see the uh, relationship and the love which swami had so my 12th grade class we had about 80 students or so and uh, 80 of us in the small interview room in Prashanthanilayam this is so small interview room and there is swami amidst all of us i don't even know where we were sitting on each other and uh, swami materialized a diamond and then he ended up showing us that diamond and then he goes all around and uh, you know the the typical joke which swami always makes you know everybody's looking at the diamond swami's like nobody's looking at the hand which brought out the diamond right our attention is always on the creation attention is always on the, what is going on around but he's like you know this hand which can produce you know people are not looking at it anyway that is that and i just put up few pictures of trai brindavan and you know brindavan is something very very beautiful um, truly cherish the number of years spent here in brindavan and um, i'll share a few anecdotes with respect to the bhajan group as well so i had the opportunity to sing bhajans in swami's presence over many years started singing in my uh, 11th 12th grade after my voice changed and coming to brindavan we were very very lucky we were only four or five of us singing bhajans at that time and uh, uh, today also i was looking for that door to open you know unless swami opened that door uh, you know when we used to get a signal from there saying that swami has opened the inside trai brindavan door and when he opens that door uh, the ganesh bhajan typically started so uh, you know that you know that by the time the ganesh bhajan is halfway through swami used to get to that gate and then come and go all around i'm sure those of you have experienced brindavan it's it's truly beautiful and uh, those times um, swami used to come and sit for bhajans and it used to go on and on and on and on and we have had days where swami used to sit for bhajans for one hour and um, you know like four or five of us singing then you think the number of opportunities to sing as well comes very very often and uh, with great responsibility comes uh, you know i mean with great opportunity comes great responsibility as well and you know bhajan singing is something which is very very dear to swami and over the years the first particular year swami really gave us a very very hard time to improve our quality quite a bit and uh, all the time he used to we used to hide ourselves in trai brindavan try to sit as back as possible so swami never physically caught us but uh, he would somehow figure out a way in this this is one place where he called me from the back and called me up front and it's actually a very funny story one day during uh, the bhajan sessions uh, 
the normal bhajans were going on and Swami used to figure out ways to pull our leg as well inside the uh, Trai Brindavan. And uh, one day he said, I think uh, he picked up uh, uh, Professor V.K. Narsimhan and asked some questions about the bhajan. And then suddenly Swami made a comment saying, you know, these boys, they are all the time singing bhajans with Sai, Sai, Sai in everything. He said, there are so many people who come here, each of them have their own Ishta Devata. So when you have a bhajan session, it's very critical that you have a Sarvadharma bhajan, you have a bhajan on Rama, on Krishna, on Devi, on Allah. You know, Swami is like, everybody, you know, doesn't get a chance to lead. Those who get a chance to lead, it's their responsibility to choose, not just for themselves, but to choose for the congregation as well, right? Because it's, bhajan singing is not about lead singing, it's about lead follow. So, um, Swami said, these boys are singing all the time Sai in the bhajans. They are not singing other gods. They are supposed to sing, you know, Buddha. He's like, Sai is not everybody's chosen deity. They may have Krishna in their heart. So, Swami took, said these words and, you know, very often, you know, we learn through our own experiences. So, next day, um, you know, this didn't go too well. We all picked up bhajans which didn't have Sai in it. You can very easily pick quite a few bhajans without Sai in it. And... Um, even the bhajans which had Sai in it, I and few of our brothers, we ended up changing the words uh, to remove the Sai and change it to something else. And we thought we are truly, you know, obeying what Swami wanted. And uh, in fact, I sang this bhajan that day. Jaya Jaya Rama. The, most of you may know this bhajan. The last line is the only place Sai comes. Prema Sagara Sai Rama. That's the only place the word uh, Sai comes. And what does it mean? Prema Sagara Sai Rama. Sai, you are the compassion, you know, ocean of love, right? And um, so the bhajans were going on. Even today I was uh, thinking about this is 1993, 94 time frame. And uh, Swami typically keeps beat. All of you must have seen Swami keeps beat and everybody follows Swami's beat. The tabla player or the harmonium player, everybody follows Swami be Swami's beat. And if Swami stops, it's very critical, everybody catches that. You know, if the singer didn't catch that, they'll be singing alone, right? If they decide to sing the last line twice. So, um, that's very important because everybody's tune is, he was truly, you know, Nataraja or whatever they call it, he's the master of the tone. So, Swami's, and it's very nice to observe, even if he's not completely keeping the beat, he would be keeping beat with his foot or he'll be keeping beat with his, just a finger. And, you know, you can, you can follow that pretty easily. And that day the bhajans went fine and uh, I went through this bhajan and the first speed and Swami even graciously allowed a second speed because the first speed I did sing the way I sang Prema Sagara Sri Ragurama. And uh, second speed went and even before the last line came I saw Swami's hand had already stopped. And you know, these are signs which we typically in the bhajan group we already know, you know, how the mood is or how the things are going. And immediately uh, Swami's hand had stopped and I knew that this is not going too well. So... We went in that day to Thrai and we used to line up and go through here into Thrai. And uh, once we were inside, um, Swami called me up front and he said, Today what bhajan did you sing? And uh, then I said, Swami sang Jaya Jaya Rama. Then he said, sing. So, you know, I knew it had gone wrong outside. So I corrected myself inside and I sang it the regular way. So I sang Prema Sagara Sai Rama. And he said, no, 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 what did you sing outside? So then I said, Swami sang Prema Sagra Sri Raghurama. And he said, all those devotees, all those people who have come outside, they have come for you or come for me, he said. Now, it was just a joke. It's not that Swami is saying that, you know, his point is, whatever instruction is given, moderation is something which is critical as well. 
And this is something we learn. When we are very young, I think very often we make mistakes, no problem at all. But at the same time, with the mistakes, we should have the humility to accept the mistake as well so that we rectify ourselves in the future. And uh, so that is one, one experience which I remember from that time in Vrindavan, which is very beautiful. Again, the time spent here is how you can use. Just have a couple of pictures here from Vrindavan, and I'm sure you have heard from teachers here about Vrindavan so much. And one more you can go. And what used to happen is we used to get opportunities to uh, give aarti, give, you know, the coconut. And uh, every day four students used to get opportunity. And Swami, those two years ended up staying eight months. So in that time frame, the whole hostel, we had gone through two or three rotations, actually. It was uh, so beautiful, so memorable. And, you know, Trai is truly a place where uh, no inhibition. Swami used to just pick up somebody and speak, uh, pick up an instrument and play. There were days he used to just make us sing songs. There used to be... Many, many um, VIPs used to come, MS Balakshmi used to come, or anybody else, Swami used to see them, um, you know, make them sing or display an art form. Uh, a truly special place. And, you know, Brindavan is always uh, a Brindavan. Today I was explaining to my children, um, because they were asking, Brindavan, we thought uh, this is their first time here. And they were like, oh, Brindavan is something, a place where Krishna was. That is what my um, daughter said. And then immediately I said, uh, it is very similar here, right, Swami? was truly Krishna here and truly somebody who spent all his time with us, uh, engaging us, uh, giving us the best advice, giving us the greatest truths in a very, very simple way, which is palatable as well. And I think that was very, very beautiful. Just wanted to present a few more. And this, I'm sure uh, uh, some of you may have seen, these are the altar competitions which used to happen. And that is from... Kalyana Mantapam, when it was the older Kalyana Mantapam. And um, that is our room altar picture. And, you know, we just... And Swami, I used to think, you know, amidst all his... Uh, you know, everybody wants him. Everybody wants him all the time, right? And we can never have enough of him. So, in spite of how difficult the place was, how much of a space was there... Everybody makes space for Swami such that they can have him right there. I know in this, you know, depending on how many rooms we have in the hostel, every room has its own altar as well. So every altar was placed in the old Kalyana Mantapam. I don't think it was this much big. It was much, much smaller. And, uh, you know, Swami took the time, came, talked to everybody, interacted with everybody. And these pictures become true memories for many of us for lifetimes, right? Because this is something we can always cherish, live, relive again and again and again. Uh, this is Swami sitting in the Kalyana Mantapam and you know, really there is no space anywhere. And I'm sure you recognize many faces here and everybody's around Swami in, in different places. And Swami just sitting and talking. And uh, this was something imaginable only in Vrindavan. It's very beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to also present a few things about sports. And that was something more from a personal standpoint. I was very interested in sports all the time. And going through school, some of you may have gone through high school and things like that here. Uh, that is something we always uh, uh, go, grow through. And, you know, in the end, the point is not the sports themselves. That's why I put this picture here. In the end, you want to go and take that trophy from Swami. Right? You run a 100-meter race, you run a 200-meter race, you know, you win the championship, you do whatever. In the end, you want the gold medal from Swami. And that was the only motivation. We can go to the next, next two, three slides. Are, yeah, I think the prize distribution days used to be very, very special. And maybe I'll narrate one incident because it's about balancing time. One particular prize distribution day, um, what had happened was um, 
it also comes around shankranti day and uh, typically we have a music program right uh, on shankranti day in the morning and evening would have been the prize distribution day and so for many days uh, we used to have these allotted spots inside the bhajan hall in the mandir so many days i had not gone for bhajans because i was participating in different sports activities and uh, Uh, that year i had the opportunity to win the championship as well so i was very happy because in the end you know you receive that from swami and so that day morning i got a chance to sing in the music program i sang in the program right after the program swami gave pad namaskar and then he blessed and then he said oh you sang well but where have you been all last 10 days he said last 10 days i was missing in the bhajan hall so the spot was empty and then i said swami uh, different sports activities and things like that are going on Swami said, "When you get an opportunity to sing again, it is more from a bhajan learning thing." Swami said, "Very few people get opportunities to sing. When you get an opportunities to sing, opportunity to sing, it's important that you balance your life such that you're able to do everything as well. And that is something amazing in this education system as well, where you learn to do. You know, the time is very, very limited. You know, when I went for further studies, when I went abroad to." get a masters in uh, com- electrical and computer engineering i used to think you know even i used to see people work late into the nights all the time and i was that was i was never habituated to that even in msc i used to go to bed by 10:30 11 that was the latest we went to bed whatever exam you know end semester exam mid semester exam that was always the schedule and we learned to optimize it's not that you know we uh, did badly in terms of our grades we gave our best effort to do well as well but at the same time we learned to optimize the time that we had and uh, that was something which followed me throughout even today i can't stay up too late because i'm always used to being you know waking up early so even during graduate school i was studying you know till 10:30 11 and you know swami will take care in terms of what we do in terms of grades and things like that that is something again i just want to say that when we go through the education system the intangibles are something amazing and that is something we'll only realize when we have real life experience when we go through those and uh, so swami told me you know when it's your job when you've been given a role to come and lead bhajans it's important that you're there when you're provided that opportunity it is okay that you know you want to do sports and other things but work around it such that you are able to do the duty which is given to you as well you can go through this uh, it is always uh, beautiful you can just run through the slides yeah i also put this picture up there which is uh, the altar competition subsequently prashant nilayam had the altar competition as well uh, so you know we used to have i shouldn't even call it a competition because it was more presenting the altars to swami so we ended up taking our altars to prashant nilayam i mean punachandra hall and showing these uh, pictures to i mean showing these altars to swami to get his blessing so that's uh, in terms of life itself i just wanted to share a few anecdotes throughout and uh, So just wanted to share the whole journey and this is in 2010 and you know it's life comes a full circle in the sense this was at the alumni meet and uh, swami even that day you know swami was not doing very well physically at that point but even at that point he uh, inquired he said have you brought your wife have you brought your child we had just had our first child at that point and swami inquired what's the name everything he asked you know that is something which is truly amazing you know when i was putting this photographs together i was just thinking right from the start you start at a young age go through the whole life cycle of experiences and then you come back to the same master at different points in time and at each point he figures out a way to connect with you at at a very physical level no matter the spiritual level where he's always inside us 
I wanted to share a few more stories, uh, and then I'll also share about our alumni as well as the organization activities in, um, in the US. Yeah, another um, nice experience I had just written down. This was uh, something uh, which is very nice because um, what had happened was there used to be different groups of devotees, European devotees and American devotees or anybody who used to go into the interview room and I used to see them come happy and come outside. And uh, there is nobody translating inside the interview room, right? Swami is typically communicating with them. Unless in a few cases where, you know, typically there is too many different languages being spoken and things like that, then you have a translator. So I used to always wonder in my mind how Swami communicated with these devotees. Well, obviously they have spoken and they have come out and they're smiling, crying, you know, walking, all these different things. And uh, one day Swami again had called a couple of groups of devotees. One was an Italian group and one was a Spanish group. And just was, as he was about to close the door, again, uh, he just picked me up. He said, come inside. So I went in. I sat near the door. I was just looking at Swami. And as soon as Swami sat, you know, typically he goes and he puts on the light, puts on the fan, makes sure everybody's comfortable. As soon as that's done, he sat on the chair and he started speaking in very chaste Italian. Now, this was something which I had a question in, only in my mind, and I had never written in a letter or anything to Swami at all. And uh, I'm truly wondering, you know, you, the, the mind works this way, where, you know, even if questions are answered, uh, we still think, oh, is this a dream or reality? All the time we are wondering. And then Swami spoke in Italian for a few sentences, and then he translated it in English for us, saying, you know, this, they are saying that they have built a temple for Swami in Italy. They want Swami to come and visit and all that he said. Then he turned around to the other group and communicated with them in Spanish for a while. And then he looked at me and he said, now do you believe? Now, like I said, this was something I had never written in a letter, never asked. But then Swami chooses to answer these questions. Not that our mind should keep on questioning. Sometimes we get into that endless mode of, question, 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 over and over and over again. I think he provides these opportunities, he provides these experiences. Uh, at that point, it's truly a challenge for us to pick it up and move forward with it. Because if we are going back to the same place again and digging the same, uh, you know, hole again, then we are going to stay in the same place. So this was something which is uh, mind-blowing to me because I never had this practice of writing a letter to Swami and asking these questions. And here, Swami was sitting and answering the question right out there. So... That was something I just wanted to share as well. Maybe we can go to the... I just want to share a few things. So we have a number of alumni in the United States. We go through different types of activities. We have alumni meets happening every year. And in fact, we have had a few of the faculty members from here who addressed our alumni meets. And uh, this year, typically we do it in the month of October. So this year, it's going to be in Orlando, Florida. We have a number of students participate. Or most of our students are very active in their local centers and samitis, contributing in different ways, you know, playing leadership roles or, you know, participating in the bhajans, study circles. And uh, in our particular, you know, this is the theme of the international conference, which is happening in, you know, connection with Swami's 90th birthday, right? The world conference happens every five years, and this year it's again going to happen in Prashantinilayam. And love is the source, path, and goal. This is something we've been focusing a lot in our study circles. 
So in the end, right, bhajans are wonderful and, you know, talks are wonderful, service activities are wonderful, but to get a complete picture, it's very, very important to connect it with the mind, work on our study circles as well. So that is something we've uh, been putting a lot of effort on, going through the um, circle of path, goal, and love. And we studied this in our region through the Navavida Bhakti, so the nine types of devotion. And uh, trying to understand, you know, the, the main topic we took for ourselves was this topic, Prema Swarupa. Swami always addressed, addressed us as Prema Swarupalara, right? Embodiments of divine love. In fact, there is a discourse in 1995, uh, we just were seeing the other day during our Guru Purnima function, and in that Swami says, why do I keep addressing you over and over and over and over again? So that at one point, hopefully you'll realize that is your true identity. And uh, so we went through this journey of understanding this from the perspective of uh, how Swami lived his life as an embodiment of love. How he improved his listening, that is Shravanam. How, how good his listening was, right? When he's listening to a child, when he's listening to a uh, adult or uh, listening to anybody, how good his listening was, how good his speech was, how good his singing was, right? These are the nine forms of devotion, but as embodied by Swami, so that we can physically try to embody those principles, improve our own listening, improve our own talking, improving our own service, right? Improving our own dasyam, sneham, atmanivedanam. Those are all principles which we can live in day-to-day -day life. Friendship, right? And in terms of um, servitude, Offering ourselves as a servant to somebody from the perspective of offering a service. And Atmanivedanam, the true merger which happens as well. So all this we studied from the perspective of Navavida Bhakti. You can just go. And uh, this is another, uh, just a depiction in terms of how we have been learning. Like all along we have always had, his life is his message. Right? Swami said, at some point, you know, you have to make my, our own lives as his message, right? Finally, it should lead us to a stage where my life should become, we talked about, you know, the, my initial talk of um, the topic itself was living in God is true spirituality. At that point, there is no difference between Swami and us. And Swami expects us to get up, raise ourselves to that level where we truly can, as a student or as a devotee, as a you know, person connected with Swami, we are able to embody that love, embody that relationships ourselves. And if you notice, these are wheels which can, smaller wheels can rotate the bigger wheels and eventually it's the smaller wheel which will give the strength to the bigger wheel to make that full circle. Just wanted to show you a few snippets because these are some things we focus in our own study circles, living in the community, right? It's, it's slightly different because we go through different experiences. You can hit one of those. So you have, as an individual, we have our own individual experiences. Then we interact with the family. Then we interact with our own Sai Center, which is a core group where the values are pretty similar. Then we interact with our workplace colleagues or college colleagues or school colleagues. And then we interact in the community. Everywhere the value system is slightly different is what we perceive all the time. And we interact with the world at a larger extent. But actually, if you notice, all these are truly interconnected. Very often the question comes, what is a spiritual activity and what is a, you know, a regular life activity? And Swami has cl cl you know, clarified this many, many times, saying that there is nothing which is different from spiritual. Going to a center or going to a samiti on a Sunday is not spiritual activity and rest of the week is not a non-spiritual activity. It's just the way we live our life. It's just the way we embody different things, embody our lives, 
in the form of, in the context of individual, family, society, everything becomes interconnected, right? So those are things which I wanted to share. And I will conclude with uh, maybe two or three more stories which are very dear to me. And I also mentioned I will share about the alumni activities as well. So we have, of course, in the United States, we have 10 different regions, right? It's broken up into different uh, by the geographical area. So we have different states from different regions. So obviously on the coast, most of you may be familiar with the geographies where we have a lot of our uh, students working who have all graduated from here and gone. So we try to meet very often actually to, to keep ourselves, you know, Swami always gives this example of satsang, right? And uh, Swami says, you know, a pot kept with the water in it, kept in the sun, it'll just evaporate, right? The water inside will just evaporate. So Swami used to say, you all come to Prashantinilayam, you all come to Vrindavan, you come to see me, and then you take away, you fill your pots and you go. And when, once you go, you are in the world, operating in the world, and maybe the scorching heat of the sun will completely take away the water which is filled in that pot, right? What is needed to be done is put that pot of water inside another pot of water. And this pot of water, Swami says, is the satsang we keep. And it's very critical, right? Because we have seven days in a week and, you know, our work life or our school life takes up most part of it. But if we are able to recreate a situation where we are able to experience ourselves in, in a satsang as many times as possible. So that is what these bring, brings along. So then we have our own service projects, which we operate as part of the centers, as well as as part of the alumni activities and things like that. So we, on an average, we surely try to meet locally a couple of times a year, but we also try and meet uh, nationally. We have been meeting for the last, uh, this will be our sixth year, I believe. So that's going to be happening in October as well. That's in a nutshell. I just wanted to give you a sense of what the alumni activities are. I'll just, uh, there are three stories which are very dear to me. So I will sort of uh, conclude with those three stories. One is, uh, this is a very funny story, with, particularly in the life of a student, right? There were two students who had actually come to join the Prashantilayam school. And uh, one day, this was more in school means uh, the 11th grade or 12th grade. And they were sitting on the terrace and discussing the dollar to rupee conversion rate. And uh, one, one boy said, you know, 30 point something. This is the time a while ago, the dollar was about 30, uh, 30 rupees to a dollar. And one boy said 30.62 or something like that. The other boy said uh, 30.68, right? And uh, they were discussing and, you know, typically, you know, the bell goes off and you're ready to go for darshan. And so that conversation was left pretty abruptly and uh, they decided to go to the mandir and it so happened that one of the boys had the opportunity to sit right up front and Swami comes out for darshan. And as he comes out for darshan, he comes in front of this boy and just says 30.65 and just walks off, right? This doesn't mean anything to the boy sitting on the left or to the right. For that boy, it really meant something, right? Because he knew he had had this conversation and here Swami was sitting and clarifying that to the extent. So always think this is how Swami is, right? He knows everything and he always used to say this. I know everything, but I act as if I don't know anything, right? Even in the presence of everybody, when he, a message is for a particular person, it's for that person. It's not for everybody. But at the same time, he always says when you people don't know anything, you stand up there and talk as if you know everything. Right? That is how the human mind is. Uh, this is on, in the same parlance with, I'm sure you've heard, 
uh, on one of the Kodekanal trips, Swami had, uh, you know, gotten into the bus along with the students and his car was going up front and the bus was following the car and lots of devotees were bending down to the car, right? Thinking Swami is in the car. And uh, Swami immediately, quickly remarked and he said, the car's association with me makes people bend down to the car. But then I came into the bus, nobody's even looking at the bus, right? So my association with you brings down my value. So the point being that whenever you can, you know, raise up your value. And Swami has come and given us so many beautiful messages. And He has lived and shown, right? Very often we get attached to something external. We move from one external to the next external to the next external. But by leaving His mortal coil, Swami has sort of forced us to look, right? Where inside our own selves. And that is possible wherever we are. And that's what, you know, very often we have devotees who cannot afford to come all the way here. And at this point, you know, when we discuss, we always say, you know, look, at, look, look for that Swami inside you. That is what Swami really wants. And he will truly make that connection. You know, Swami is a person who never went all around the world. He stayed in the same place and it is people who flocked to him, right? And that is a very beautiful experience because it's only through transformation. You know, somebody saw somebody transform and then they came, oh, there's something interesting about Sai Baba. Or somebody who picked up a book, they read, oh, let me read this, let me try out Sai Baba. Right? He picked up and then had an experience and then Swami gave his grace and we are not able to leave Swami right after that. That is how everybody's personal relationships are with Swami and it's a, it's a beautiful thing and this is something this avatar has come, spent time with us, continues to guide us, continues to con bless us in forms which are you know, truly personal and it's, it's for us to pick, pick up those threads and move forward. And two last stories. One, obviously, which happened in Brindavan itself is this deer story, which uh, some of you may know. And uh, there used to be a deer enclosure right in front of Thrai Brindavan for many, many years. And uh, today I had a chance to see that it's, uh, it's, it's different, but it's still beautiful. So those deers used to be there. And they, you know, at a time, there were so many deers there. And at a time, Swami used to, when he comes out for darshan, in fact, they are the first people who used to see, even before anybody else gets to see. And that relationship with all the animals around Brindavan particularly, it was truly Brindavan, right? And uh, that was something which is special. So one particular hot afternoon, what had happened was there was a mother deer which was standing right in front of the gate, uh, seeming to look at Swami's uh, door, right? And it was a very, very hot afternoon. And uh, Swami had retired for the day after the morning darshan. And there was just a Sevadal person right, right at the gate, and uh, there's no way at that time, you know, it appeared as if this deer was trying to tell something to Swami. And suddenly, you know, Swami's connection, very often uh, we say, you know, so he's a devotee or he's a great devotee or he's this, he's that. These are all qualifications which other people put on. But Swami's relationship, like I was pointing out, is something which is very personal, very individual. And it happens no matter we, whether we know it or don't know it. And so suddenly Swami walks out, goes straight into that deer enclosure and there is this mother deer which had just delivered a baby like three days before, something like that. And Swami calls the Sevadal person and asks him to bring fruits so that he can offer it to this little deer. And this mother deer just went around Swami and fell at Swami's feet dead. Right? This is such a beautiful experience. And it was uh, captured many years later in a book. Right? It was not known for a long time. And even today when I think of this experience, this is something which is, you know, uh, these are animals which are not even, don't even have that extra sense. 
but their relationship to Swami, and if you see in all along Swami's life, whether it was Sai Gita or subsequently Satya Gita or, you know, all other animals when he was much younger, right? How many pairs of dogs he had. And that love was something which is very unique. And even that can teach. And I'm only pointing it out from that perspective that whenever we look at an experience, I think what the teaching and message which we can get out of it. And one last uh, story, again, this is captured in a book as well, but it's very beautiful when we look at the message itself. One Swami was traveling from Brindavan to Prashantinilayam, and many years ago, and it was a very hot afternoon, Swami was sitting at the back of the car, the, the driver right in the front, and it appeared Swami had closed his eyes and was resting. So, driver was going along, and as they were getting closer to Puttaparthi, there was suddenly a snake which crossed the road. And uh, Swami, what, Swami was resting, so the driver you know, had a split moment to decide whether he wants to break and disturb Swami, or he just runs over and kills the snake, right? Those were only two options. And I always think of this as that's how our life is, right? We practice all our values, we practice all our teachings, we practice everything else, only, be, only to be prepared for that one moment, right? In that one moment, split second is all you get. He, he cannot take a long time to decide because by the time he, he would have to choose or life will choose for you, right? And he has to choose between disturbing Swami or going over the snake again. So in this case, he just decides to go over the snake. He's very sad, you know, he continues the journey. Swami continued to rest, so there was no problem. Once he gets to Prashanti Nilayam, Swami sees that he's very depressed. Swami calls him inside the interview room and says, why are you worried? And then Swami shows the tire marks on his back, right? And Swami told him, the snake is safe, right? I particularly point out this story over and over again because life is like this. And very often we have to choose between, in this case I'm not truly demarcating this as a worldly versus a spiritual decision, but very often, you know, it, is it a decision whether Swami likes or Swami does not like? In this case, if you choose Swami, he will automatically take care of the snake which was being, you know, going in the road as well. So the critical learning for me in this whole thing is whenever you come up in life and situations, always choose Swami because everything else he will take care of for us. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you, Brother Srikant, for sharing those wonderful memories of yours. I'm sure that everyone over here would have uh, immersed in all your memories and would definitely take away certain actions. One is think in the present and not think of the past or the future, which Swami drew the point to you. Then strive for perfection and lead as detached individual. Next, I would now request Sanjay Sahani sir and Wardeth sir to hand over the token of love and gratitude to our brother.